0: Thank you everybody for joining us this morning. Uh, So lovely to see um, some familiar faces and some new faces. Um, So let's just have a quick look, um, Alice, if you can just move the slide about what we're gonna um, cover um, today. Um, I'd first like to welcome uh, Minta and Michael. Minta has joined us several times on Strategy Cafe um, and he has really helped us to flesh out this series uh, around AI. And um, today we're very fortunate to also have um, Michael Borelli join us. And um, Michael is the co-CEO, COO of a company called AI and Partners. We were having a very uh, interesting discussion about what he's been up to this week in the world of AI. So. Um, We're very lucky to have uh, Michael join us and give us uh, his views, insights, thoughts this morning. So welcome and a huge thank you um, to our uh, two guests this morning. Um, We're going to be talking today about uh, AI regulation and governance, uh, what it's about, uh, what do we need to do, um, who needs to regulate, what can companies start with. Um, So a bit of a a broader overview um, and hopefully uh, one or two good next practical steps for you. Um, We invite you to also uh, um, contribute. Um, We will be uh, having some polls. So please, uh, we'd love to have your voices added to the conversation. um, Participate as uh, much as you can. um, Address some questions, put some comments in. Um, to the the chat we'd love it to be as interactive as possible um, and then we're going to also give you an, an overview of, of what you can expect in our next strategy cafe um so Minta and Michael um thank you so much for being here again this morning uh, I think we should perhaps kick off with a little bit of an introduction to our topic today Alice if you can move us along that would be great um Our strategy uh, cafe sessions on AI really started with unpacking Minter's book called Artificial Intelligence, um, which was an updated edition um, and which we had previously featured uh, before. Um, And we then went on to a discussion about um, what we were doing practically as non-experts in this area, um, but as a company ourselves. And where we've landed today is really um, on this discussion, which is a a kind of really natural progression around um, uh, the adoption of AI and really regulation and governance. And so uh, to start with, perhaps we'd like to uh, think about, uh, Alice, you can um, bring up the first poll if you'd like. We'd like to think about, uh, you know, where we are at the moment and um, and uh, perhaps just uh, consider uh, your general opinion on AI. Uh, you know, is it positive? Is it negative? Is it uh, mixed? Do you have mixed feelings about it? Uh, what are your thoughts? How interesting. So we're looking at a right down the middle, 50% positive and 50% mixed feelings. Um, how interesting, um, perhaps I'd like to open up the mics to uh, both Minter and to Michael. Um, what's your feedback on the poll results?
1: <laughs> That's pretty pretty, um, if I mind going first and just start off, thank you for having me on. Um, Cafe. It's an to be here. Um, I think it's interesting, I think people are being a lot more receptive um, to it and its capabilities and I think a lot of the education element has driven that um, and we continue publicity, I think people are taking more of an interest in it and it's gone beyond being just an academic theoretical exercise and people can see the practical benefits and um, I think fear could drive sort of negative um, uh, sentiments. And um, for the continued education and the, the, the data that's coming out that people can trust is really helping.
0: Thanks, Michael. Winter, anything to add?
2: Yeah, my basic thought is that however you see AI will also impact the, the way it comes out for you when you're working with it. I think there's a, an element of fear that can really block people's opportunities with AI. It's good to have cynicism, it's good to have you know worry about things. Of course. However, in balance, what I've seen is that depending on your general opinion of AI, it will have a an impact on the way you develop it. What a beautiful
0: viewpoint. Thank you. Um, So if we think about the scale of adoption and the pace of kind of AI development um uh what do we think the current state of ai regulation is um, and where are we right now uh, mentor maybe you can kick us off
2: mm. well i think the current state of regulation is catch-up there's whether it's on a global scale it's not happening of course <clears throat> and, and yet probably a lot of the impact of ai will be cross-border and um, as far as the adoption is concerned, I it's far wider than we think, and probably less deep than we think at some level. Uh, wider in that everybody's really beginning, even my mother, who's 85, has come to settle in with Siri. And um, Alexa's all over my, my sister's home, when she controls everything from it. So there's a lot. There are many, many people who have experienced the better typing uh, prompts on Google and such. And then, as far as the depth is concerned, and and my specific area. By the way, the book is called Artificial Empathy. And the 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 issue or the point there is that a lot of people concerned about the humanization or the complete takeover and all that. The, the general intelligence problem. Is, is very far away from a reality today. And for example, having a machine that's perfectly empathic with everybody, not gonna happen.
0: Mm. Michael, where are we? What's the state today?
1: So I think the question is very pertinent considering where we are. Um, um, so, at the start of this week, we had the trilogue talks on the EU AI Act, with apparently now 70% of the text is now finalized and then we are also in the middle or sandwiched between the UK's scheduled UK safety summit talks next week so we are in right now we're at the stage of potentially the world's first regulation being enacted um and the UK um possibly following suit um and other countries are um as i believe considering their uh you know respective takes on it and I tr- uh, China and the US are pretty advanced, and we've, um, you know, helped the uh, some APAC countries uh, sort of develop their policy there. So it's it's interesting, but uh, I love it, Minter's uh, sort of micro level uh, view on that um, of AI usage, and we're ju- we're just seeing it everywhere. We're seeing people using AI enabled func- functionalities in their phone. You know, people being able to do stuff more more quickly and effectively. So I think. The the regulation is certainly catching up, but the pace of innovation uh, to use to use an example with, with with the crypto asset industry possibly wasn't maybe wasn't as fast. Whereas this that the pace is such that you know the reg the regulation has to has to catch up, and I think we're seeing that with pretty much every agenda, whether it's on a legislator or senior business executives, really taking this seriously.
0: Mm, thank you so much for that, Michael. And that brings us beautifully to the next point, which is really. Um, With this pace of innovation, to what extent do you agree that we ought to hold AI uh, to a higher standard than we hold companies or ourselves? Wow, really mixed bag, right? So 20% say they strongly agree. Um, uh, 40% say agree. 20% say neither disagree or agree. Ten uh, percent disagree, and ten percent strongly disagree with that, so a uh, very mixed bag, I think the uh, majority say that we that they agree with the statement and um, that we should um, hold AI to a higher standard than we hold ourselves in society. Uh, any comments on those results, um, Minter perhaps or Michael?
2: Well, I certainly have a thought about that, and um, <laughs> I, I I wonder to what extent we can even know what that standard is if we don't know how to do it ourselves? So I, I think about that and I think about the access to innovation if we hold it to too high a standard. That's what my thoughts are. Mm. but I'd be very interested to hear why people feel that we should have a higher standard.
0: Feel free to pop some comments in the chat, everybody. Michael, any thoughts on the poll results?
1: I think it I think it's reflective of um I think it's pretty balanced maybe in comparison to the other poll. Um you see more people are um agreeing. Um I think not it's not just a standard as well, it's who should who should enforce them, you know, and how regularly. So uh, having a standard is fine and acceptable however however you have it. Um as we talked earlier about indexes, but it's about who who uses it um and who who sort of who enforces it if that's Well, that's possibly too strong a term, but I think it's it's ensuring that whether it's a collective or individual or a hybrid responsibility to maintain these standards, but ultimately the purpose is to, you know, in furtherance of society um, and innovation certainly has a role to play with that.
0: Absolutely. And I think a good point there. Thank you so much, Alice. You can move to the next slide. I think a good point there is really um, who is going to be responsible, right? Or who is responsible, you know, um, to regulate and govern AI? Um, You know, how much should we be regulating it? Um, And who's currently doing what? So I'd love to hear some voice, some voices, about um, you know, whose responsibility uh, do we think it is to govern and regulate? And I know that there's a, a lot going on and a lot has happened during the course of this week that you were referring to, Michael.
1: Well, there's probably too much going on for me to certainly keep on top of it. I, I do try, um, but the, the different approaches um, being shown by um, different countries is can provide a better answer to that question. So just to give you context, the European approach is more risk-based, and now there's potential talks about having a tiered approach, whereas the UK's proposed blueprint, which will be discussed next week, is focusing on a sectoral approach. So having different standards for, say, manufacturing, as there would be for healthcare, financial services, or more highly regulated industries, so that the, the burden will ostensibly always fall on the company or the target of the regulation. Um, but then you, can, you may have some industry bodies, industry standards, um, uh, and other member you know, member associations. And I don't know, Mint probably uh, you know um, probably has some interesting specs on that, considering his you know broad appeal in that sense. But um, I think I think collectively yeah, we do have we all have responsibility, and especially with with changing so many aspects of society today.
0: Mm. Thank you to your
2: thoughts well i wonder to what extent people in government or in governmental bodies really understand down deep how it all works and and that we don't end up with regulations that just cause a lot of paperwork and headache for companies my strong conviction is that we, we must think about on one hand what is legal and then the other one what is ethical and it's not because it's legal, that it is ethical. And at the end of the day, regulation is going to push us to deal with what is legal, correct? And and so what it will come down to, as Michael says, is going to be how companies ponder it. What are they trying to do? What is their intention? And, um, and I, I think today, even most of the senior executives I hang out with are, are pretty confused or at least not clear on what is happening, how the AI is working and how on earth they might be able to control it. And on the other hand, you have issues of confidentiality and so calls to be more transparent about the outcomes, um, A, will be complicated to do and B, could also expose companies' strategies and some other confidentiality. So I, I think it's going to end up being absolutely the responsibility of each organization to look at themselves in the mirror, understand themselves better, understand what their intentions are doing, including what their business model is, to think about how they want to organize their AI to be effective, not to forget the other piece, which is how are they gonna adapt with AI? How are their employees going to adapt from fear or not of losing their position to AI? So there are a whole lot, of different things that uh, mm. senior executives have having to face today, which are going to be complicated and will need um, a team to do because no single individual is going to be able to understand this and to translate it into uh, some kind of text that shows this is who we are, this is how our AI operates.
0: Mm. Um, and I would assume, Aminta, that there's a point there around companies uh, really um delving into and questioning their own ethical frameworks uh you know what their own ethical um standpoints are on certain things on certain aspects um i don't know what's your thought on that yes maybe
2: well so i i think there are several types of companies pharmaceuticals media journalism anyway that generally should have a chief ethical officer in the the form of some sort of lawyer with a do-good streak. Um, But for the most part, uh, the idea of ethics rarely comes up in boardroom discussions, much less a clear ethical framework that everybody in the organization understands. And that's a difficult thing to do. It's sort of like explaining culture. There, There might be an ethic, there might be a culture, but it's sort of hard for people to put their hands around unless someone has a very strong storytelling notion within the mm-hmm. within the board to get through and tell everybody this is what we mean by ethical behavior these are the keywords and this these are the types of behaviors that we expect to explicit that culture or that ethic and and so especially when you get down to the people who are responsible for the coding they are often not top of the board you know these uh, obviously digitally-only owned companies, a la Google, it's different. But let's say you're generally an industry player and you want to use AI for your factory floor or you want to use AI for your marketing decisions. The coding Mm -hmm. of that, which will require an understanding of your ethical framework, uh, is your organization prepared to go down that deep and make sure everybody understands what exactly that means? And I think Mm -hmm. that will take a whole lot of uh, intentionality to happen at a company level.
0: Mm, really interesting view there. Um, and if we think about kind of what might the implications of uh, kind of being too, uh, implementing maybe too much governance around certain things, and what might the implications be of, of uh, uh, on a broader scale, maybe some under-regulations that haven't been thought about, I think it's it's poss- it, it might be a good thing to explore uh, the implications of both, on that micro and that macro level, right? Any thoughts, Michael?
1: Um, yeah, a a few. Um, I think I I love the way you you presented it. Then the first thing that springs to mind is, um, you know, when you oscillate between things, I think you depending on the depending on the context and where we where, what the demands of the economy are or broader society, where the impact is going to be the impact on going to be different as with all things the impact is con- contextual and um, it depends on the substance and the weighting assigned to it so for example at the moment the risk for potentially the uk government I- of under regulating is you allow companies to operate potentially ultra vira whereas if you over regulate um you know the the impact it could potentially stymie innovation at a time when the economy probably needs a bit more um you know stimulus to, to help drive it forward. So I think it, every with all things it is contextual and it, it's quite difficult to just look at things in isolation um mm. and just to say this is a matter of fact, this is what happens. But um in a time of great uncertainty, I think um people need people like certainty, people crave it, and you know you, um, humanity needs uh I think I think we need a bit of certainty in in certain things that we do. Um and probably Minta probably knows a bit more about this than I do, but um I think I think we we regulation provides a bit of stability, and I think at a time when you're seeing a lot of again general uncertainty across sectors, markets, um, and aspects of society, I think this is a broader question for policymakers to consider.
2: Mm, thank you. I have um, an additional point, which looks at how Europe has done the GDPR and this notion of privacy. And I think it's a really relevant zone within AI regulation, because in the end of the day, we can sort of get excited or upset or worried about the outputs of the AI. But the data learning sets are going to be absolutely vital. And to what extent is privacy going to be uh, overrun in the way that the AI is working? you know, pops up something where Wanda Haddock said this kind of thing, where that was not something you gave permission for. And the approach to data sets, I think, is going to be absolutely strategic for organizations. On the one hand, you have the large learning models that are sort of generally out there, let's say somewhat open AI and all that. But your role as a company will be to, I think, if you want to be strategic about this, is to have a, a data set that will become proprietary to you and your customers. And learning how to use effectively that information so there's a real value perceived by your customers or potential customers is gonna be vital. And uh, earning the trust to use the data of your customers. So how you manage that that interplay in order to make your AI effective.
0: No, that's such a, such a rich comment. Yeah, um, and I think that leads us on to our next point um, quite beautifully, which is really, um, if we think about things um, and where we are today, what is it that businesses most need to understand? Um, what can they do as a first next step? Uh, what should they be thinking about uh, right now or preparing for right now? Um just to bring things to a really kind of practical level, um, and uh, to bring some discussions that they should or could be having. Minta, you want to kick us off?
2: Well, um, I, I did want to address David's uh, comments in, in the uh, in the chat, and and surely there will need to be some AI regulation. I I want to reference a conversation I had with a woman who's particularly familiar with what's going on in China, Ashley Dudoranek, who, uh, she lives in Hong Kong, but um, works in China. And and she basically laid out to me that the Chinese uh, do not wish to put any regulation on their AI because they want to do it and sort of ask for permission later as a strategic approach, nationally speaking. And they perceive the West as over-regulating, uh, sort of immediately clipping wings right away. You know, that was a, just a perspective and speaks to the nature of the beast because if you're a company vying against another company in a certain industry and the Chinese company doesn't have any regulation, you'll be definitely handicapped. When it comes to other players that are more, let's say, evil uh, state terrorists and such, well, th- That's not going to be possible to regulate any more than the United Nations successfully manages to bring everyone who does acts against humanity uh, to to account. It's uh, a challenging area, global regulation, and there's lots of different cultural bands on it. One of the areas that I think is is really supremely interesting. So I look at these things much more from a company perspective than a a government perspective. I have no knowledge of exactly what's going on behind those closed doors however one of the things that really needs to be thought of if you're a business is to understand how you're going to use the ai for your business and what impact it's going to have on your systems and your people and i think that there's a while in, in the group that we had today uh only five percent or fifty percent said that they have mixed feelings and no one said negative feelings i think there are a lot of people in business that have a worry about whether they will keep their job whether they will be um capable of doing the job so I think that's one big area is the impact of AI on your systems and your people and how are you going to manage that all the while keeping your strategy going
0: beautiful thank you your thoughts where are uh, where are businesses today in terms of understanding what next steps are um Michael what can Um... they be doing
1: I would like to build on Minta's excellent comparison with GDPR. Um, I think, and, and I use use that as the as the answer here. So, with GDPR, those, those, the what happened is businesses sort of reacted a bit. Uh, possibly, could have reacted earlier yeah. than they did, and there was a manic sprint to the to the finish line. So, I think today, what they could do is just prepare early for the incoming regulation, specifically the EU AI Act and others. And I think what they can Start to do is start considering tools and techniques and practical solutions to ensure compl- you know to to ensure compliance. Um, for example, there are solutions out there that um, GRC platforms that can help identify and then risk classify AI systems. So, in that sense, what we recommend is identifying your AI exposure to know exactly where your pain points are, which business divisions, which functions, or which organizations, depending which perspective you're looking at this, where your AI exposure is greatest to then enable business leaders to take decisions on how to manage that risk, whether to, to de-risk or up-risk or to do whatever whatever is in the company's mandate. So this, I think in the age we are, has to be a data driven approach um, to be able to make decisions that will ultimately help drive the business business going forward. But the, it, there there's a certain certainty with the regulation coming. And I do strongly believe it's about, you know, as part of the readiness journey, understanding your exposure and equipping yourself with the tools and techniques to be able to overcome these challenges and to avoid the pitfalls and challenges that were present during GDPR and, um, and such like.
0: Any um, starting points for businesses practically? Um, if you, you know, where would you start, um, Michael, perhaps? Um, and then I'll take that to you, Minta. Where would you start on that journey?
2: would you like
1: to be i would start by knowing the as i said the ai exposure so i would um i would review the regulations i get a, you know point a point has been said probably a chief ethics officer and a chief ai officer discuss and get governance committees and policies established and getting all all the infrastructure in place, and then equipping yourself with tools, whether the, uh, they're sourced from third parties and getting external assistance from consultancies and professional services firms to help you understand the business. Because, as as Mid said, no single person can uh, can do this alone. It's it's fiendishly complex, especially with the technical um, aspects and complexities of this. We a lot of assistance, a lot of help, and infrastructure is needed. But it, it's all out there, and I think the um to avoid what happened with GDPR it's just about equipping the business equipping itself with the necessary measures to uh, to overcome these challenges
0: thank you Minta. um if you had a company and you were embarking on this journey where would you start
2: well uh, I will start where you need to start which is uh with your strategy and what are you strategically looking at as big imperatives for the next three to five years and and then I would be starting with, well, where can and how can AI participate in that strategy? Because that's where I want to focus my investment and in resources. I mean, bottom line is AI could be used pretty much everywhere uh, for anything, and you—you uh, but you, one needs to be strategic about it, and and certainly looking at—I uh, feel finding a way to have a proprietary database of learning models is going to be uh, something that needs to be built over time and and then you when you're looking at your strategy think about your culture and and how does that translate when it comes to the way the machine should be operating how are we internally how we really are we internally and be honest about that it's a good opportunity to look under the cover feel who you are, because that if you understand that well and have some self-awareness and honesty about it, I think it'll help you to create an AI that can participate in enhancing and, let's say, continuing your culture, as opposed to being some sort of divisional idea. And back to the idea of standard, I think it's, it'll be relevant to have a standard, but that is similar to the way you hold yourselves accountable, because it, it would, I think, be stultifyingly difficult to get a strong AI, if you hold it to a higher standard than you hold your own employees.
0: What a beautiful, rich discussion. And we are going to allow for some questions in a moment. Um, Thank you both um, for all your views and contributions this morning. And thank you to everybody on the chat. There will be an opportunity for you in a moment to just um, ask your questions directly uh, into the group. So please uh, stay with us. Alice, we've got our next strategy cafe coming up. Um, And we uh, don't have details as yet. But please keep an eye on your inbox for our November strategy cafe and um, uh, the topic and who we will be inviting um, on that day. Um, And now we're going to stop the recording and we're going to uh, invite you all to uh, uh, contribute your voices and to ask any questions directly uh, in into Mentor or Michael.